Our passage today is going to come from John chapter 12. We're still continuing our our walk through uh, the gospel of John. And uh, we have ended up in John chapter 12, and today we're looking at verses 35 and 36. And the title of today's sermon is Walk His Way. And uh, so we're going to focus on verses 35 and 36. We will back up a little bit just to get a better context of the passage. And we'll look, up, look at some passage beforehand. And uh, you, can, you can prepare your Bible for verse 32 and 35. We'll, take it back. we'll go back and look at those uh, verses as well. But we're going to read verses 35 and 36 and kind of go from there. It says, So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of the light. And that is the word of the Lord. Amen. So I, I kind of stopped in the middle of verse 36. We'll save uh, the, the uh, second part of verse 36 for next week. Uh, but I, I want to start off with the question today. And I, I kind of want you thinking about, you know, maybe when you were a child and then leading up to today. But... Have you ever, or who did you want to be like whenever you were younger? I, I can remember going back and thinking about the different uh, people I wanted to be like. You know, they were common to little boys. I, I wanted to be like, I wanted to be the superhero. Uh, of course, watching Superman, watching Batman, watching any of those, that's who I wanted to be. Uh, funny enough, I'm kind of showing my age a little bit, but I can even remember watching The Lone Ranger and wanted to be. I didn't want to be the Lone Ranger. I wanted to be Tonto, right? So leaving, going back and looking at that. Um, but the champion as well, you know, wanted to be the one who, who was champion overall or maybe the overcomer, uh, you know, different types of people that we wanted to be. Now, as a Christian man, I, I look at this and I, I have different people that I would want to be like. Um, you know, I think of Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, to, you know, to to preach with the vigor that he he preached with uh, that that would be awesome or Martin Luther you know to have the conviction that he had and to have the zeal to uh, defend his faith in in front of death basically and then also um, here recently is, is R.C. Sproul I, I just admire you know who R.C. Sproul was as God's servant he he had a wit about him but at the same time uh, just extreme intelligence you know where where he could get his point across those are the best 23-minute sermons I've ever heard, you know. Um, he, was, he was right on the point, but he got his point across, and uh, he had a, to me, he had a brilliant mind. So these are the people that I look at today, and you might have different people that you have looked at when you were a child and even today, but I, I want you to ask yourself this question and really, uh, really look into yourself to see if you've ever asked yourself this question. But... Out of all the people you've wanted to be, have you ever asked yourself or have you ever thought about, I want to be like Christ? Has that ever crossed your mind? I want to be like Christ. You know, because, again, we have a list of people that we can look at and we can say, I want to be like that person. I I like that aspect or that attribute of that person. But um, have we looked in Scripture and said, I truly, wholly want to be like Christ. You know, that's, that's what we're supposed to be like. That's who we are supposed to admire. So if we haven't asked ourselves that question, then my question to you is, why not? See, in today's sermon, 
I, I want to show you that it is a command of God for all of, his children, all of his children to strive to be like his son. That's the whole point of our sanctification. We will not become his son. We, we're already stained with sin. His son saved us, but yet we are to be conformed into his image. So in reality, our goal is to be like Christ. After we have been saved, that's what we should start pursuing. So in the Bible, we are told to be called, or we are, we are called to be imitators of Christ. We are to walk in his way. But if we are going to walk in his way, listen, it's going to require our whole lives. It's not just going to require a, a statement of belief. And then at, at that point, we call ourselves Christians. But anywhere where there is a profession of faith, there is sanctification. Of, there is a sanctification of God. Anywhere. And we have to remember that. So the question that we have to answer is, number one, do we truly believe that Jesus is Lord? I think we have to ask ourselves that question often. Do we truly believe that Jesus is Lord? Because if you do, then you will walk in his ways. So let's look at verse 32. I want to start there because here, um, this is where Jesus promises forgiveness to all who believe in him. Now, I'll get to verse 32 in a second, but uh, I want to kind of set this up. This was the last week of Jesus's life uh, here on earth. Now, I think it's really amazing that the first half of the Gospel of John is dedicated to all his life before the last week, and then the last half of the Gospel of John is just dedicated to that last week. It's amazing, and to me, I mean, I love both of them, but actually my favorite part of the gospel is the second half. And there's so much that John records in that week, last week of, of Jesus' earthly life. I mean, it's just amazing the teachings that, 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 are, that, are, that are there in that, that second half. Um, but here, before his execution, Jesus is prophesying how he would die. And he's communicating that to those who are in attendance. And, and basically the Bible says a, the crowd. So in verse 32, he says this, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Now, Jesus is talking about being lifted up on the cross. And the people understood this. They knew that this was what he was talking about. There was no question as to um, maybe, maybe they, didn't, they didn't know that he would be lifted up on the cross, but they knew that he was talking about his death. And at the same time of mention, mentioning his death, he also spoke to the people and said that his death would bring people from all over the world, that he, it would draw them in. He says in verse 32, that when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Now, what is Jesus talking about here? Well, he's talking about the, the draw that comes from the Father, where he brings people into him through Christ. And he would draw people from every part, every nation, every tribe, every language to come to Christ. Now, this is the proclamation from the Old Testament that, hey, this, this grace that's available is not only available to the Jewish nation, but it is available to the whole world. 
And Jesus says, I will draw my people to myself because of the sacrificial work that he did on the cross. Now, the problem and the issue here in our passage is that that the people who were there listening to him uh, did not believe. They did not believe. And I, I can't I can't say no one believed, but the majority did not believe. Uh, Number one, they didn't believe what he was saying exactly and who he truly was or who he was saying he was. See, the crowd understood that Jesus was speaking about his death, but they could not comprehend how if he were the savior, how he would how he would die. Um, They couldn't understand that he himself would be going to the cross because in their minds, the Christ who was promised from the Old Testament would live forever. And in verse 34, we see their response. Listen to this. They said, we have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. That means in their minds, the the Christ, the Savior, he would not die. So they ask him this question. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? And then, for me, as I look at this passage, I think this is a crucial question. They ask, who is this Son of Man? Now, I think that's really important for all of us to ask that question. In fact, there's no way that we can be believers without at least one time or another asking ourselves that question. Who is Jesus? Right? When, when we believe and when we've come to faith, uh, we've come to faith because God has granted it to us, but we still have to ask ourselves, who is Jesus? And we have to answer that question for ourselves. So it is an extremely important question that they ask, and Jesus answers that for them. He tells the crowd in verse 35 that he is the light. Now, I think it's very interesting that Jesus would use the analogy of light to describe himself. And it's interesting because this is not the first time he's done it. He's done it over and over. And apparently John has really caught on to this because John has mentioned it multiple times. And in fact, even in his epistles, there's a verse that I'm going to read you where, where John focuses on Jesus being the light. And he, so Jesus has already described himself as the light in chapters 1, chapters 8, chapters 9. So this is a reoccurring theme that's occurring uh, that, that, is, that is being mentioned in this uh, letter, in this gospel. And Jesus uses this analogy to reveal his true nature to the people, to the crowd. And there's something that is going on here that's very important for us to see. See, these people were living in darkness, and Jesus says, I am the light. Like, you're living in darkness I am the light. The light has been revealed to you. This is your opportunity to believe in the light. See, Jesus gives them a warning. And basically the warning is that they were, the warning was that they were in jeopardy of being mastered by the darkness for good. Look at verse 35. He says, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. Now, the Greek in this is very interesting, especially at the very end of this verse, where it says, lest darkness overtake you. Um, 
The Greek in this basically reads out, lest darkness master you. Lest darkness master you. Now we all, we see, we get the, the weight of, of the word master, like to be a servant of something. And Jesus is talking about the darkness that is in them. And right now how that darkness is, is there, it's present, but it's not mastering, it's not their master. Now the implication that, that we can get from this and what Jesus is telling the crowd is that their unbelief, that darkness, their unbelief, their sin, that it will master them if they do not cry out to him concerning their sin. And this is a warning that, that the light that Christ is given to the people. Now, as we look at this passage, I think it's very important to notice Jesus' words and what is really being said here. And his words, I, I bet they really hit home with the crowd that day, but not only for them, they should really hit home for us as well. Because basically, Jesus is saying, I'm only here for a little while longer. That's it. So, again, the people did, did not know how long he was going to be there. They did not know this was his last week. He was talking about his death, but no one knew that how the days were numbered. Only God knew the, the days because he had determined them already. But Jesus tells them, I'm only here for a little while longer. Once I leave, it's going to be harder for you to believe. Once I leave, you're in jeopardy of the darkness overtaking you. So in other words, if you don't believe in me now, the darkness you have will master you once I leave. Now, I don't think this passage is meant the same for us, but there is a similar meaning to this. And there's a warning that we need to see in what Jesus is saying. And the warning is that when Jesus says the light is among you for a little while longer, well, a little while longer speaks to a numbered amount of days. We don't know what that number is. Only the Lord knows. But our days are numbered. And we have to recognize that. So in the same way, or excuse me, for these people in this passage, grace was being extended to them for a little while longer. So Jesus was talking to them and saying, you have a little while longer. Do not give in to the darkness, but rather believe in the light. Because when I'm gone, the darkness is going to overtake you. Now, accept that in a, similar, in a similar fashion today. You see, because in the same way, grace is being extended to you for a numbered amount of days. See, the fact that we are here today worshiping together, that is a grace from God. The fact that you are alive and well, that is a grace from God. The fact that you are hearing the gospel today, that is a, fact, that is, that, that is a, a blessing and a grace from God. All those things are blessings and, and, and they are a part of God's grace to you. But you only have that available for a numbered amount of days. You only have a little time left. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to believe. Don't put it off till tomorrow. 
Don't think that you have forever because your days have been numbered. So if today is the day of salvation, believe in Christ and walk in his ways before it's too late, before the darkness has overtaken you and there is no grace there is no grace left for you to repent. And then in verse 36, Jesus concludes, and he says this, While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of the light. Now, as I look at that passage, it's not a stretch to see what is being implied here. What's being implied here is that Jesus is comparing, he's, he's talking about the parent-child relationship. And he is talking about if we are to, if we have the light, he's telling us to believe in the light so that you may become sons of the light. When you think about that statement, you think about how a child takes on the persona of his parents. So basically what is being said is believing in the light results in becoming like the light. See, If we walk without the light, the Bible says, then we do not know where we are going. We are completely lost without the light. We have no direction in life. But if we have the light, then we have life to the full. We know where we are going. And there is an example for us to follow. To me, this is a, this is the, out of the two verses, this is where I really focused. This is what I really focused on. And verse 36 just really stood out to me. Thought about it a lot this week. Challenged myself with it. Because being a Christian doesn't only, it, it's not just believing in Christ. But it also involves being like Christ. See, the command was to believe and to be. Let's read verse 36 again so that you can see it. It says, while you have the light, believe in the light. That's that's evident. We can see that. Believe in the light that you may become sons of the light. See, we are to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We are to believe that he is the Savior of the world. Then... We are to be conformed into his image as sons of God. We are not only to just believe, we are not only just called to make a proclamation of faith, but we are also called to be like him. It's an amazing thing and it's an amazing calling because we are not only to reflect the light, but we are called to be like the light. Not that we'll be Jesus ourselves, because, again, we are stained with sin. He is the one who saved us. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. But the calling is to be like Christ. So in every way, we should be growing into him. He should be increasing in us, and we should be decreasing. That is what's, that's what should be happening as we are living our lives every single day. So when it comes to following the Lord, believing and becoming go hand in hand. They are like faith and works. I am convinced 
that a person cannot proclaim to believe in the Lord if they're not becoming like the Lord. Now, what does that look like? Is that a process? Does that sometimes take a while? Yes. But there should be growth. And the reason why there is growth is because the Holy Spirit is working in you. The Holy Spirit is working in you to conform you to the image of Christ. So believing equals becoming. Throughout your life, you are growing. In fact, God is growing you. And later, John reflects this in one of his epistles. If you want to turn with me to 1 John chapter 1, I want to read you verses 5 through 7. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. It says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Now, I love verse 5 because it basically sets up the verse for us and tells us who God is. God is pure holiness, and in him there is, there is there's no impurities at all. That's what verse 5 establishes. And then verse 6 If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. See, believing is becoming. John says this over and over. This is a theme that that, that he continues to bring home in his writing and I bet in his preaching. If we are going to believe in Christ, then we must be like him. We must walk in his way. We must be sanctified. We must grow as Christians. Because, again, this is not all being done by our effort, but it is the Holy Spirit who is working in us. We have to acknowledge, though, that the Christian life is full of ups and downs. Because you may hear a sermon like this and you may think, well, what does that mean? Does that mean I have to be perfect? And obviously, as soon as you ask that question, I hope you answer that question. Because we, can, we cannot be perfect. We are going to sin, but that doesn't change the fact that we should be like Christ and that we should continue to strive to be like him. So in this life, we are going to have trouble. We're going to fail. We're going to, we're, we're going to fall to temptation. We're going to do those things. But at the same time, we are called to repent. We are called to learn from our mistakes. We are called to continue to walk in his way, to never give up. And what does that look like sometimes? Well, sometimes that looks really tough. Sometimes it's, it's us just, it's us crawling on the floor, just making inching our way towards Christ. Sometimes we're just flat out lying on the ground because we've been knocked down. But we can't just stop and make excuses for ourselves and say, I can't meet that standard, I have to give up. Listen, you'll never meet that standard. But you can never give up. Through the good, the bad, and ugliness of life, God is growing you, and you have to understand that. Believing 
strive to be like Christ. So yes, the Christian life is full of ups and downs. It's full of triumphs and pitfalls. But through it all, we continue to strive to be like our Lord. The Christian life is messy. It's difficult. But we have to fight through. We have to rely on God. And no matter what, we have to remember that Christ died for our sin. We're going to have to remind ourselves of that every single day because we're going to be sinful, we're going to fail, and we're going to blame ourselves, and we're going to say, I can't be perfect. But Christ, Christ is perfect, and he died for your sins. Now repent and believe. See, we may not be who we're supposed to be, but at least we'll never be who we were. And that is a blessing that God has given us. Let us pray.